in Acts chapter 2, you see the early church. And I think this is significant because this is the group of men and women that were alive when Jesus was alive, right? They were alive when Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended. So we're, we're very close to Jesus' own teaching. This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. Pastor Logan Wolf graduated from Southeastern Free Will Baptist College in pastoral theology and practical ministry, has a master's in theology from Baptist College of America, and he's currently pursuing a doctorate in philosophy from Bethany Divinity College and Seminary. Pastor Logan is an active member of his community, serving on the local chapter of the Red Cross and on various boards and committees, including Pregnancy Help Center of Park City and the Utah Suicide Prevention Coalition for Faith Leaders. He's been a guest before on In Good Faith. We live here in the same town, but because of the current circumstances, we're talking via electronics. Pastor Logan Wolf, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you so much, Steve. It's really good to be talking to you again. Today on In Good Faith, we're talking about house church, but I'd like to divide this in two. First, just the concept of house church, which is... Logan, isn't this a New Testament concept? It's something you see, you're seeing a little more of it today, but it's not at all a new concept. It's certainly right from the pages of the New Testament. And so we read of the saints meeting in so-and-so's house, who I guess had enough room that they opened it up, and often they would even live together and have all things in common. I don't know that you're suggesting that we go quite that far, But you've had the very interesting experience, and I want to get later to how to do this as individuals and families where lots of folks these days are in quarantine, practicing social distancing. But just the whole concept, at one point you had a couple of congregations with meeting houses and the traditional worship. Would you tell me the story of that changeover and deciding to go to a house church concept? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the last time I was on your program, if you remember, we actually talked about the Great Commandment, and I, I shared a story. Uh, of course, if you're not familiar, the Great Commandment is is in Matthew 22 to love God and, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Yes. And I shared just my experience realizing how I did not know any of my neighbors, and so I was, you know, just remember the people live right next door to me. And so this, it's been a couple of years since then, is kind of been working that out. And are we doing what Jesus says is most important, both in my life personally and then in our, our church as a whole? When I explain this to people, I, I draw a diagram, but I, I realize drawing does not make for riveting radio. Uh, so, <laughs> so just, you know, if you imagine, you know, you see Matthew 22, the great commandment, love God and love our neighbors. And then if you go to like Matthew 28, which is the great commission where Jesus says, make disciples. And a disciple is one who follows Jesus, right? Not just in, in profession, but actually walks that path. Right. That's what's most important. What happens is we take those things and in order to accomplish them, and I'm speaking about American church as a whole, what our church specifically was doing is we'll create a structure around it that maybe at first seems helpful, but then actually detracts from those important things. And the structure is made up of four components. We, we say, well, if we're going to make disciples and love God and, and love our neighbors, we're going to need some programs some things to, to help us facilitate that. And so we create these programs, these curriculums, and they could be you know, as complex as, as we make them. And the second thing we do is, well, you know what? We need buildings, physical places that we can actually run these programs and accomplish these tasks. And so we, we buy properties. And again, you just mentioned 
mentioned our specific circumstances. We had two buildings. We had a building in Taylorsville and a building down here in Provo where I live. And then we said, well, you know what? We need, we actually need people to maintain these buildings and run these programs. And so we hire staff and what that may look differently in in different uh, denominations or churches, but there are people we actually task with these specific roles. And so we have buildings and staff and and, uh, programs, and then we find out all that stuff costs money. And so we have budgets and the budgets actually go to support this extra biblical structure that's supposed to be helping us accomplish what Jesus says is most important, love God, love others, make disciples. And what happened in our specific case is we realized all of our efforts and time and and money was actually going towards maintaining that outward structure and nothing or very, very little was going towards what biblically we know is the most important thing we could be doing. And so we just came to realize, okay, we're not just like I wasn't loving my neighbors when I sh- you know, was talking with you, sharing with you a couple of years ago. I realized in the, the months following, we're also not doing a good job of making disciples, of teaching people how to follow Jesus Christ. And so we had some tough conversations, uh, our leadership team, and then, of course, our church as a whole. What does this look like? And so we began to dismantle that outward structure. Now, did I will you, say this. Did you have some, I, some sort of framework to follow in, in doing that? No. <laughs> <laughs> we have, it has uh, very much been learning on the fly. And there's some things. Of course, we have you know, the, the biblical uh, examples. And I was teaching through the book of Acts and uh, the New Testament as we were having these discussions. So yeah, that was helpful. Yeah. And I came across some resources and even some other people who had done this after we'd already decided. So there wasn't like a, here's a clear path. We know how to do this sort of thing. Um, so no, we were very much learning as we went. But I will say this, just changing from a, you know, from a physical church building, from a, a chapel type building to houses was not the solution to the issue, right? The issue was we weren't doing what Jesus says matters most. We weren't teaching people how to follow Jesus Christ in their daily lives effectively. And so by merely changing the address where we meet, that wasn't the solution. So we actually had to back up and say, okay, what does ridding ourselves of that outward structure now allow us to do? And, um, you know, what can we focus our time on? And so one of the things we've been doing, even, I mean, we're doing this right now, is we go to passages like Acts chapter two, and in Acts chapter two, you see the early church and I think this is significant because this is the group of men and women that were alive when Jesus was alive, right? They're alive when Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended. So we're, we're very close to Jesus's own teaching. And we look at them and say, okay, well, what was that group of people focusing on? Uh, how were they spending their time? What were they emphasizing in their own faith walk? And if you work through Acts chapter two, I mean, there's a number of things that they were, the passage says they were devoted to certain things. We see things like prayer. We see things like baptism, multiplication, making disciples, teaching other people. We see things like fellowship and care, love for one another. There's praise and worship, glorifying God. You see breaking of bread, right? Communion or the Lord's Supper. You see incredible generosity to the point that they're even selling their own possessions to meet the needs of others. You see emphasis on teaching, right? The word of God. And there's even in the apostles, some identified leadership there. And so we said, as we as a church, as we're looking at this saying, okay, if we're going to make disciples, these are actually the, the things that we need to instill in our church 
And then, of course, a church is no 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 stronger, no more healthy than the individual men and women that make it up. And so this is what we want to see happening in the lives of those um, that call Crosspoint home. And so that's kind of, the, I don't hope that answers your question. That's kind of the journey we've been on, and that's where we're at right now, walking that out, um, going from what we just have always known, what was traditional, to, okay, what can actually be more effective in doing what Jesus says matters most? Yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, I appreciate you taking us through that. Now, this can't have been the kind of meeting where you said, here's this idea, and everyone said, I am totally behind that. Let's do this next week. <laughs> no, that was uh, – I mean, so e- we, so- e- even, the pe- <laughs> e- even people uh, who, like me, might read through that and say, yes, these are all good things, might sort of have to scratch our head and say, but how does this – we've never done it this way. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, just b- because we've never done it, you know, that way is never a good excuse to keep doing it the way we're doing it. So that's, True. you know, that's one of the things we, we even explained as we were talking through this. This is something um, that had been obviously on my heart and mind for, for, I would say, even the preceding year before we actually made the decision to go this route. Um, just because I realized, again, I'm not doing what Jesus says matters most. I was doing a poor job. Of, of making disciples and helping people follow Christ. Um, and so we, uh, we prepared our leadership team in months before we even brought it to the church as a whole, just saying, this is what we're thinking at, thinking of what we're, we're, we're looking towards. And then even when we announced it as the church, like you just said, it was not a, uh, let's, we're going to start this next week. It was very much uh, here's the situation we're in. Um, you know, where this very clearly biblical commands that we're, we're doing a very poor job of living out. And here's the path we think is going to move us towards that. And so it was actually several months. I think it was, it was three months from the time we even brought it up to, you know, presenting this is where we're going. And you're right. People, I mean, some people were not excited about it. And I think that's just because we're changing some things up. Um, I think also we're battling against a, an ingrained American Western Christian culture that, you know, it's supposed to come and sit and, and take this all in. And that's one of the things we actually highlighted again and again is, look, guys, we are we, we, we're basically just assembling a group of spectators. We're assembling mm-hmm. a group of, uh, of consumers, and we're not really equipping you to live out your faith. And so there's, there's some, some spiritual cancers here that so, we're wanting to root out of all of, our, all of our hearts and lives. So if this was college, I would say that you'd been attending lectures, and now you're saying, we need to do some labs. There you that man. What look at that? That's a good. Uh, <laughs> that's a good uh, simile. I think that's exactly right. It's more. We're going to make it more hands on, and uh, let you actually interact with and handle your faith instead of just sitting there and letting it be something that happens to you. You mentioned that just changing the address or changing the number of people in attendance is not the change you were looking for. So, right. we talk to me about what you do in a house church meeting like this and how that's headed towards those aims of the Great Commandments and the Great Commission. Yeah, absolutely. So our gatherings, uh, we've been doing this just almost a year and a half now. So there's been even some learning curves along the way. So even what we were doing at week one is not necessarily what we're doing now. But right now, how we're structured is we come together and it is smaller groups, usually less than 20, sometimes above that. But that gets a little, even for what we're going for, even 20 people is a lot in a room. But we spend some time looking back over the past week, just kind of reflecting, where do we see God 
moving? You know, what were the highs, the blessings, the answered prayer? And that's intentional to make us think, where was God working this past week? Because whether or not we ever acknowledge it, right, God was there. God was there. So that gives us some, a chance to kind of just praise and worship God for what he's done. And then we'll turn around and say, okay, well, what was the low point? What was the struggle? Where was the temptation? Where was the hurt? And then we can we can rally around that and pray for that person, encourage that person, even share personal experiences, even get into scripture and say what God says about those types of situations. Maybe they found themselves in this past week. So on the front end, there's a lot of of just care for one another, which again is what we see in, in Acts 2. Yeah. You know, if someone shares how they saw God working in their life, it might teach me to see that in my own life in a way I had not perceived yet. And that's what I was going to just say about this, the next section, because the great thing about meeting in this way is that it is a hundred percent interactive. Mm-hmm. And so even though there is a, a, a loose form, a structure, and even though there is stuff prepared for each week, I actually get, I mean, even as the pastor, I'm actually learning from people because they're sharing and opening up and being honest and candid about their, their week, their life, their experience. And even when we get to the, the word of God, we open up the Bible together. They're making observations and, and applications that even though I've been in this passage all week, I didn't even see that. And so it's helpful to me personally. And so there really is a mutual type of, I'm learning from you just as much as you're learning from me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And helping us each make a personal connection with God, not just through someone else. Yes. And that's, and again, I think you're taking ownership for your faith in that. And so after we spend that time looking back at the previous week, we open the word of God together and we'll work through a passage. And uh, I just mentioned that Acts 2 passage and some of the things they were doing there. We've actually been focusing on those uh, those specific um, things, they, um, behaviors, actions they were devoted to in that passage and looking at other passages of scripture that illustrate those or work those out. And so when, I'm, when we're opening the word of God together, we're reading through it. We're talking through it. We're making observations. What's this show us about God? What's this show us about people? What does this mean? You know, how am I going to live this out in my life? But that's not, you know, in the silence of I'm just thinking about that. It's actually, it's a conversation. And so again, everyone has a chance to, to speak up and share and to make those observations. And it is, man, I'm, I cannot, it's a mutual teaching, a mutual learning type environment. And then, of course, the latter part of our meetings or gatherings is we look forward to the week ahead. And so we, you know, what are we going to do with what we just heard, um, what we just learned together? So we make some some goals to share it with someone or, you know, we even give some specific applications. This is what this would look like in my life if I were to live this out, if I were to obey this um, this week. And then we pray for each other. And, of course, prayer is interspersed throughout. Anytime a need is shared or something comes up, we don't have any problem interrupting and praying. The same thing with, with singing that's interspersed throughout. And then we usually conclude with, you know, offerings and the Lord's Supper and stuff like that. So it's, again, all those components you see in Acts 2 in the early church are, are manifesting themselves in our time together. So when you're with a group and some of them may have thought, yes, let's just try this. Let's do this. I'm gung-ho. And others may have come along like, well, this was not my plan A, but I love you guys. So yeah, uh, I'm in. I'll try this. (laughs) So coming from all different uh, backgrounds and attitudes, maybe, I don't want to intrude on anyone's privacy, but what reactions do you get from various members of these house groups meeting together? What are their experiences doing this? We're, we're at a point, again, a year and a half in, we're actually at a point where those that are, are showing up week in and week out are very much on board with what we're doing. And the idea of, 
you know, we're going to build this relationship together and together we're going to learn to serve, to serve God, not just, you know, for a couple hours on Sunday, but during the rest of the week. And so that's, I think it's been pretty steady. And of course we even have guests that come in fairly regularly and not, if not every week, every other week at some of our gatherings. And most of the guests that show up actually show up because they're wanting an environment like that. Mm. And so they're looking for, and again, just for privacy sake, I won't say anyone's name, but we've had several come in looking for a place where they can just, you know, in a smaller group, talk through some things in their own spiritual journey that they may not even be able to do in, in the setting they're coming from, a different, a different type of church setting. And so it's, I think it's appealing in that way. If it's a place that I can actually wrestle with things and ask questions and express doubts and concerns and hurts and know that, that, that we're just going to talk about it together. It's going to stay there in that community. Uh, now, on the front end, as we were making that transition, you're right. I was shaking things up. There were people that, man, people tell me, look, I just want to go somewhere and sit on Sunday. And I told I said, well, that's that's fine. That's just not the way, you know, you're not going to do that here. That's not the way we're going. We're actually going to move towards doing what Jesus says we need to be doing as as his followers, as his people. So are you seeing the fruits of this in people's life? Are they expressing that to you? Some spiritual, I guess I wanted to say, are they spiritually energized? By this process. Yes, this has been incredible. The spiritual growth we've seen since starting this to now has just been, I mean, it's insane. Just in in individuals' lives where you see, not just where people had never been intentionally reading the Word of God before, but now there's a rhythm of that in their own lives. But even to the point of people who were just timid or who never thought it important to actually take their faith outside of a physical church building on a Sunday, and now actually going out and living that out and boldly sharing Jesus and talking about what Jesus is teaching them, you know, praying with neighbors and coworkers and family members, maybe who are far from God, seeing people confess sin and seek forgiveness and reconciliation of relationships, turning from those things, turning towards God. I mean, it has been, I mean, in some cases it has been night and day. It's incredible, especially in light of the fact that some of those people were sitting, you know, in a pew in a church building for years and years and years and now all of a sudden there's this, and I, again, maybe the restructure of our gatherings has just ignited perhaps some, uh, some of this growth. It's, it's incredible. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. <laughs> now, this is very timely because we're in a current time with the COVID-19 virus where people are being asked to separate themselves, to stay in very small groups, or even if they have someone with underlying medical issues to just be completely quarantined as much as possible. We hope is not a permanent condition, but in adapting for that, I'm wondering if you have suggestions for people who want to worship on their own or just their family members or those who are in their house or their small, small circle that they're associating with. Yeah, I, th- I think it's incredible that we were learning all of this, you know, over the last year and a half. And it's just now like, everyone else seems to be wrestling with, you know, is there something we can do like this in our own lives? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to to share that. I would just, I'd rem- first, I'd remind you that you don't need hundreds and hundreds of people gathered together to worship God, that this is something that can be done literally with with two or three people, small groups. And of course, right now in Utah, and, and granted, this may change in the days ahead, but right now they're telling you, even if you're healthy, you know, keep your groups limited to 10 or less. And so even 10, is, and that's smaller than our house churches right now. And so we're even breaking into smaller groups and doing some things, supplementing some things through video and stuff. But I would say this, if you're you're thinking, how can I 
get into a rhythm of worship. I, what I just described to you, the, the breakdown of our of our gatherings, I think that I would just take that to heart and, and work that out. But I, personally, I want to offer this. If you're struggling and saying, I don't know what to do in my with my family or you know maybe i've got some neighbors or a friend or something i would be more than happy to to model this for you in some way or anyone who's listening to this if you're in utah county or the surrounding counties here in utah i'd be happy to model this for you and come and just walk you through that process even to the point of i mean not even hypothetically just show you what we've done the sunday before what we're planning to do the next sunday because seeing it I think, and, and actually experiencing it is a lot better than just the explanation. And we just did this with some ministry leaders across the country using Zoom. They wanted to, how, how do we do this in small groups? Our worship services, you know, are being con- constricted, confined. And instead of just talking about it, even like you and I are here, Steve, we just actually via Zoom did a, we just walked through one of our gatherings the way we would did it. We would do it if we were in person. And so I do want to extend that invitation. Anyone listening to this, if that would be helpful, you can reach out to us directly. The church's cell phone number, you can call or text it. It's 801-200-3818. Or you can email us desk, D-E-S-K at crosspointutah.com. That's C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T utah.com and i and regardless of your your religious tradition or background i'd be happy to help because i know and, and steve correct me i believe the the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints has closed has stopped all their services right so you guys oh, are in the yeah, exact same. yeah and for instance <laughs> uh, last week for our house church it was in this case just my wife and i so i think so at least where we are the lot I think there's a lot of people working through this. So if you're if you have not gotten into a Sunday rhythm yet, or you want to do something supplemental during the week, because you know, in the isolation you're just looking, how can I take this time to actually draw closer to God, draw closer to my family and cultivate this type of community? And I I think and then maybe this would be a great opportunity to do that. And I, like I said, I'd be more than happy to come and actually model that for yeah. you in person, if that would be helpful. So. And, and I've had some neighbors and friends say, well, say, right, <laughs> because we're not really in physical contact, but say, <laughs> we, had the, the, we had the most wonderful, quote, meeting, unquote. And my wife and I did, too. Of course, we have the advantage of kind of liking each other, <laughs> which is a good, <laughs> a good place to start from. But being able to just have this great spiritual connection along with prayer. And at first, you know, we thought, is this goofy if just two of us sing? Of course not. I mean, no. music's always been part of our life and our relationship, but it was really just a joy to pick a hymn and just sing it together, looking into each other's eyes. And uh, uh, not so much a romantic moment. Uh, I, I, I don't mean it that way, but sort of a spiritual connection. Like, here's this person that uh, I am connected to through our children, through our life, our commitment to God, and all of these things. And just really celebrate that with the Lord together in in our own little devotional, which we've done individually, but we've never really done in that way together. That's great to hear, because I think that's exactly what this time allows. I was sharing this with our church family just this past Sunday. It's like so much of what we have put our hope and our trust in through the circumstances, God is just stripping those things away. And so you think about, I mean, even stuff like financial institutions and the stock market and what's going on there. You think about people's jobs and careers and people being happy, you know, sent home. You think about education and schools and colleges closing their campuses. Uh, you think about, you know, food even and, uh, and grocery stores being empty and in some places completely. Uh, and then even, even our, our religious institutions and how we've always done things 
is being taken away from us. And again, I, I, I just, when I presented this to our church family, I just wondered if God is not removing all those things, all those distractions, all those things we, we wrongly put our hope and confidence in and creating an environment, a time when we can actually be still with a smaller group of people and actually pursue him more wholeheartedly and even more from maybe from a pure singular heart, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm just maybe reiterating something you've said, which is that when we say amen and walk out the door, that we're not thinking, well, that's checked off my list for the week. <laughs> and I think that's the danger of when we compartmentalize our faith. And that's, of course, what we were doing even in our buildings. You come, you come to church and then you leave church. And the reality is church is actually a group of people. And so when you're doing this in your home, it's very much now just a part of the regular rhythm of your life. And you don't, right? You're not leaving. You're this, this is just part of who I am as I live out my life day to day. Yeah. I've been reading this week in Acts uh, like six, seven, and eight. And just today, I was, as I was thinking about this interview, and it came back to me as you're talking, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And that it lists calamities and earthquakes and all these things. Well, here we're experiencing in some way separation and, and a difficulty, some of those things, and yet nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely. You mentioned the earthquakes in that passage. Again, this is I know this will air later, but we just had the big earthquake here <laughs> yeah. on top of everything with the COVID-19. Um, and so, there, man, so our circumstances certainly are shaken. But is man is could God possibly be using this to to draw us to Him to help us to realize that like you just said His His love certainly is is pervasive we cannot escape it and then man what the expression of that love He's given to us in Jesus Christ and how He has lived this perfect sinless life on our behalf and He's gone to the cross and He's died the death that our sin completely and fully deserved and He invites us into relationship through Jesus I just I can't help but think what's going on now may actually serve as the spiritual catalyst for some men and women who's either been playing at church or maybe who, who God's been the furthest thing from their mind. Um, and that's how I've been praying. Lord, use these circumstances. Don't let us waste this, this unique opportunity. Mm, that's a nice way to look at it. Pastor Logan Wolf from Cross Point Church in Utah, thank you for speaking with me today in good faith. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate the time. That's our time for today. Thanks to Pastor Logan Wolf for generously sharing his experience. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. Got a question or a suggestion for us, or even a pat on the back? Email us at ingoodfaith@byu.edu. Find all of our episodes online at byuradio.org slash ingoodfaith. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Our Twitter feed at ingoodfaithbyu. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon right here in Good Faith.